Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show today. Going to be doing a mailbag of some questions that I got on Twitter from all of you. Well, some of you, certainly not all of you. That would be quite a few questions to go through if everyone submitted, and it would be a very long podcast. So instead, I'll get to as many as I can of the ones that were submitted yesterday. And just through them, it's going to be uh, able to allow us to talk about some of the things that have happened recently with the Rockies. And I'm going to leave conversation about the hot stove right now, which is very, very hot uh, for a couple of days, primarily for that reason. I I want more things to be able to play out, uh, just have more stuff to talk about and basically do one podcast where I go through because I don't like giving Rockies fans on a Rocky specific show. A bunch of non-Rocky stuff. I find that fundamentally obnoxious. That's the reason why I haven't been talking about Aaron Judge a bunch because it doesn't have anything to do with the Rockies. It's interesting from a baseball standpoint, but at the end of the day, a really good and expensive baseball player was in New York and will stay in New York. <laughs> okay, right? That doesn't have much to do with our ongoing conversations here. But I will do one show where I go through all of that and talk a little bit about how it, it impacts the MLB landscape, which of course does impact the conversations that we have here. But let's keep it Rocky-centered for now, because that's where the conversation and, and the questions came in. And I want to begin by this one, which I won't spend a lot of time on. But Josh asked, uh, this was right before the draft lottery, so it gives me an opportunity to talk about this interesting new thing in baseball uh, didn't end up shaking things up all that much right other than minnesota kind of jumping up to the i believe it's the fifth pick everything else basically played out the rockies maybe would have been an eighth and instead fell back to ninth the difference between those two picks is is really not much of anything it really depends on what the teams around you are doing right obviously if you can be in the top three that's that's a bit better but that all basically shook out as you would expect So there weren't any major surprises there. The Rockies end up with the ninth pick in the draft. And as I answered to Josh on Twitter, this is one of the very few that I actually did there instead of saving for the show. I just, I need to go and research the draft a bit more. It's a bit early for me. Uh, I don't do a whole lot of research on the amateur baseball scene or or the pre-professional, right? The high school and college ranks uh, until we get a little bit closer to the draft because so many things can change. And, you know, in baseball, it's a little bit different where I don't think, I think more often than not, it's you, you don't draft for need, right? Be, because these guys tend to take several years to get to the big leagues. Your ne- needs are going to change. And in, in addition, there's just so many positions to fill. Almost always the best scenario in the MLB draft is to take just the best player available regardless of the position I, w- I would say one caveat to that for the Rockies is of course because of their difficulty in or or just the fact that it's a bad idea to sign free agent starting pitching they need to home grow their pitching more than most other organizations right and so unless it's a massive stretch like even last year when they took Gabriel Hughes I thought that made perfect sense, right? Where he really was the best pitcher available, but he was not the best player available, at least according to, you know, what do we know? We're, we're all kind of throwing darts in the dark here when it comes to the MLB draft. It's it's very, very difficult to predict, far more so than any of the other sports, which is why I can never get on board with tanking in baseball because it's just, there, there are so many ways in which draft 
prospects just don't pan out a lot of the time or, or ones that you wouldn't necessarily think are going to pan out do. And so th- there's a lot there that said they should look for the best pitcher available unless there really is just like another Zach Veen on the board, for example. you, you When that happened... You can't overthink and go, oh, well, we've got organizational need for pitching. We've got to do X, Y, and Z. When a player who's drawing Cody Bellinger comps, back when Bellinger was good, is is on the board. The guy who could have gone second overall in the draft falls back to you to, to ninth or tenth or whatever. You, you've got to be there and you've got to take that guy. Uh, it was a similar thing with Brendan Rodgers, even though uh, he was the third overall pick. Right, you could have said, well, maybe take a pitcher here because you have your pick of like any of the rest pitcher. But but there was such a separation between the top three that year, such an agreement that Rogers, uh, along with Dansby Swanson, and I'm gonna blank on who was the third guy. Um, shoot, it, it may come to me, but and, and it's and it's bore out that way to this point, right? Even though Rogers took a little bit of time with some of the injuries and stuff, he was a platinum glove winner. <laughs> it was like so. I'll get back into more in-depth conversation on the draft when we get closer to it. But those are my general thoughts for now, right? Without diving into specific players, that that's got to be the philosophy going in. Let me do some research and get back to you on the the details, though. All right. Uh, Mr. Vallejos, I hope I got close to pronouncing that correctly, asks, uh, are the Rockies in on starting pitching? Now we get to have this conversation a little bit. I know a, a few others had conversations, or sorry, excuse me, questions about uh, you know, not landing Cody Bellinger, not being in on Nimmo. And so we'll talk about that stuff too. But a natural reaction, I think, to not landing Cody Bellinger, which I think, by the way, was the right decision. As I tweeted out, I wanted Bellinger in Iraqi's uniform, but not at $17.5 million. That is too much for a guy who has been a below average hitter for over 300 baseball games that the Rockies can't afford that kind of risk. Maybe the Cubs can a little bit more. They've got deeper pockets, a bigger fan base. And so, and it is a one year deal. And there's always that argument of, you know, there's no such thing as a bad one year deal, but if the Rockies are trying to build right now, which again, we all know, and that's a hashed out conversation. They are trying to do that. Spending $17 million on a high-risk player is just not the way to do it. It just isn't. Uh, you, you've got to spread that money out a little bit more. Now, at 10 to $13 million, uh, with incentives that could have run it up to 17 or $20 million all day, I'd have done that. But as it stands, I think it was wise to stay out on that. And, and I think it's wise what they've been saying about you know not going after Brandon Nimmo if and it sounds like what he wants is a multi-year deal, which makes sense for him as well, especially a guy who's been injury-prone a bit. He's going to want that guaranteed time. So if that's the case, and the Rockies have also intimated that they would prefer a short-term solution if they're going to get an outfielder because Zach Veen, right? Which is another hint to me that they're really ready to pull the trigger on this guy. If he has a huge spring training, maybe he's there opening day. If not, it's a month or two into the season, whatever. But... He's close and you don't want to block him. So I had people asking me about Andrew Benintendi. Let me see if I can find uh, if it was in this thread or someone else. No, it was a different one. But it's a nice idea. But again, I I think probably looking for a multi-year deal, probably 
a little, is going to sound weird, a little better of a player than, than what you want right now. At this point, unless, you know, something kind of jumped out to me, there, there's, there can always be a player you go, oh, yeah, sort of him. You know, people mentioned Kevin Kiermeyer. I've always liked that idea. Uh, he's not quite the defender he used to be, but he's still a fantastic defender. Uh, he's never been a great hitter. But he would bring an interesting element and would at least allow the Rockies to feel like they've got their center fielder. But I think at this point, back to the question from Mr. Vallejos, they have to be in on pitching. And it I've talked many times before about how it shouldn't be, you know, big budget starting pitching. It's just not a good investment for the Colorado Rockies. But they need to get more than one guy. They need to spend a little bit of money and more than maybe the $5 or $5, $5 million dollar. Uh, Chad Cool deal, right? And go out and get two guys who are seven or eight million dollar a year pitchers, right? And a couple more of these Brent Suter types that I thought that was a great pickup in the bullpen. Now do again, please, right? A couple of times. Wash, rinse, repeat. They have to be in on pitching. And if it's me at this point, run in the room, I'm done with the outfield. And, and y'all heard me talk about during the season, like, like they need to hit more home runs. And there's a lot of, there's some interesting potential free agents out there, right? That could really dramatically improve the offense and could even help out defensively. Nimmo's one of those guys. But for the price and for the commitment and for the risk, when you do have Zach Veen, uh, no reason to do that. Also, those comments reminded me that I was correct when I had been talking about, yes, they'll put Veen in center field. Just because they haven't yet doesn't mean that they won't. Um, I kind of knew that because, you know, you, you talk to people in and around the organization about these things. But it's also just been a part of their DNA most recently and recognizing, particularly at Coors Field, the toll that running around in center field can take on a guy's knees. And it's the reason why they didn't have Carlos Gonzalez play there very often, despite the fact that he was oftentimes the most capable center fielder on the roster they would put him in right or left and by the end of his career pretty exclusively right because they were trying to preserve his legs because the most important part of his game is his bat and that's going to be the case with Zach Veen as well but for his rookie season maybe his first two seasons you can play him in center field and just run with it just roll with that and I'll get to somebody in fact I'll get to this question next but to finish this point on the pitching spend whatever money you've got on pitching at this point. I know the offense needs help. I know they need better position players, but I'm about to jump into the conversation about how I think that happens. More than that, they need to get their pitching set. They, they, they have got to make some moves here. And even if they don't pan out, you know, it, it, it sounds weird to say, but they've got some young guys in Rollison and Lambert who may be able to get into the mix as well. Riley Pint, I think is going to be really interesting as a bullpen candidate here, right? Like, like there's some interesting pieces there. They just need more dudes. I, I even don't mind, you know, if Jose Arena is going to make, you know, 10 to 15 starts, I'd rather it not be 30 unless he's pitching very, very well. And he sort of discovers himself, right? But you need this pitching depth, because guys are always going to, there's always going to be the injury factory factor uh, and, and the just sort of health factor at Coors Field. And the current group has just proven that you, you can't just rely on them. I think they're all going to be better next year, but you can't count on that with Freeland Marquez, Senzatella, Gomber, right? I think those guys will be better next season, but you can't just say, well, that ought to do it because 
they're not all going to be dramatically better. I mean, that could happen. That's a best case scenario. But you still need a fifth starter and you still need depth. And I think the better case scenario is to bring in a couple of guys who challenge for or even immediately would lay claim to a rotation spot. And you can maybe convert Gomber into a reliever uh, if, if he's not fitting in or Urania as well. Or, you know, but or, or you just stash them in AAA as depth. And if they're pitching really well, then bring them up. But there's they, they've got to go get some pitching <laughs> is, is the is the point. Uh, Coach Max asking if uh, Deion Sanders will throw out the first pitch on opening day. I love that question. Uh, as you know, baseball player, he should. He, he should come down and throw out the first pitch. I think that'd be fantastic. Uh, yeah, they, they did that with another former football player, with Russell Wilson, when he came to town, uh, and I get, or, or state, if you will, for, for Coach Sanders. But I think that'd be really cool. Back out onto the field. Uh, Colby, and this is the conversation I was about to get into, right? Colby asks, what is the probability that the Rockies open with Tolia starting in right field? Would it mean that they struck out on adding an outfielder, but he did seem to play well in right? He needs to cut down on the strikeouts, uh, but the power and extra base potential is real. Yeah, this right now, as I was about starting to get into there, and I'll go in depth now, this this is how I'd run it out there. Bryant in left. Veen as soon as possible in center. If you really don't feel like he's ready to go at the start of the season, like if he has an awful spring training or something, uh, then you you can start the season with Daza Grichik in center field and and see if Veen gets there. It's not the most exciting thing, but I think those guys can combine to be solid. It doesn't solve the Rockies' problem of kind of needing a leadoff hitter, uh, needing to get more power, needing fewer strikeouts out of Grichik and more power out of Daza. But start there. Again, I, in an ideal scenario, Veen has a great spring training. You got him in center field. And Tolia in right. The reason Tolia is in right is because I haven't traded in this scenario C.J. Crone, right? I understand the temptation to do so. It's probably the biggest piece you have to get high-end starting pitching. But the same way I would argue that you don't spend big dollars to get starting pitching here, I might argue you don't trade big assets to get starting pitching here. Uh, the The same way I think you aim for the more C-plus to B-minus, maybe B-plus at your top end, you know, because a guy can come here and fail through a trade just as easily as he can through free agency. And just because C.J. Crone gets you theoretically the better pitcher doesn't mean that you couldn't get a good pitcher who who would do better than whoever you're going to get for Crone by trading, say, Montero or Tolia. Not ideas I'm necessarily in love with. Or you could go down into the, the farm system, take, even stay away from guys who have made their MLB debut, right? And trade, a, well, I'm not going to get into specific names. I was like, you don't want to trade Benny Montgomery at this point, but not not necessarily the first round picks, but because you're looking for the diamond in the rough pitcher anyway. There's no promise that their numbers are going to translate, right? And so if you trade C.J. Crone, you are absolutely 100% crippling your offense. He was their best hitter last year comfortably, and he projects to be a very good hitter moving forward, right? He's just a very sound, capable hitter with power to all fields, who's very comfortable in Colorado, and taking him out of your lineup, 
creates a new big problem for you to have to go and solve. And as we've talked about here, the the outfielders are are kind of going quickly, and the Rockies have basically said, ah, we're not we're not going to be in on these guys, right? So I think you hold on to Kron, you keep him at first base, you keep him in the middle of your lineup, and you find some other way to get starting pitching, whether it's spending the money or trading. I would prefer to trade prospects who aren't even on the big league roster yet. If it's got to be big league guys, we were talking about this in my Discord the other day. Some people were saying. Oh, maybe you trade Rogers or McMahon for pitching because Montero could take over at third base, right? Uh, if you traded Rogers, then McMahon goes to second base and uh, Montero goes to third. Uh, all of those scenarios make a certain amount of sense. If, if I would rather move Montero or Tolia than Crone, McMahon, or Rogers, just because. They're, they've proven themselves. You know, as much as it's fun to dream on Montero and Tolia, and I think both guys have a ton of potential and could really be good for this club in the future. I think if you if you believe that the only way to to get the pitching in here that they're going to need is to make a trade, um, you know, with McMahon and Rogers, you know that you have two world class defenders who are also now basically league average hitters. And I know league average isn't necessarily exciting, but we all know that there are a lot of guys in, who hang on in the league who are below league average hitters, and the Rockies have had them on the roster even when they were good, uh, Ian Desmond and, and so on, right? And so with Rodgers and McMahon, you've got a pretty high floor. To put it another way, they're both basically established three-win players. Montero and Tolia have a lot to do to prove that they can be three-win players, however they get there. Montero's defense concerns me a bit. And if you put him at third base and he becomes a defensive problem, that can undercut a lot of the basic team identity of needing to be able to have these fantastic defenders to help their pitchers out because the pitchers need all the help they can get, right? And so... Now, with the DH and stuff, that's why, and with Charlie Blackman, I think only has another year, maybe two in him, I still would rather keep all of these guys, like I said, and trade from from the farm system at this point, which was something Jeff Breidich was always reluctant to do and something Dan O'Dowd was always reluctant to do. I'll be curious to see if Bill Schmidt, especially because he was the scouting director for so long, and he's, he's pretty close with a lot of these guys, but you know, I'll be curious to see if he can change that up a little bit and recognize that that may be one of the few ways to to bring the pitching in here. But I would run with it for now. Spend the money on pitching. Give me Bryant, Veen, Tolia in the outfield. McMahon, Tovar, Rogers, Crone around the infield. It'd be fun and interesting if they could trade for or sign uh, a, another decent catcher. But as we all know, those are few and far between. Contreras just signed uh, his contract. So... Uh, with the Cardinals, that takes him off the board, and that's really the only guy out there who you'd go, ah, you know. Tr- trades are always an interesting possibility as well. But I, I'm, I honestly, you could do worse than Elias Diaz. He's he had a disappointing season, but he's also fine. 
I wouldn't make catcher a priority. Let me put it that way. But then with that, you've also got Montero around as your like first guy off the bench. If anyone's hurt, if you got a tough lefty on the hill that day and, and you want to get him in there for McMahon at third base or in there at DH for Charlie Blackman, who would be your primary DH in this situation. But I actually think that that's a decent lineup. And you've got the additions, essentially, of Bryant. That's an addition next season, right, if he plays enough. Uh, Tovar, Antolia, and Veen. Once he makes his reps, that's four new guys essentially in your lineup that, yeah, there's obviously different kinds of risk and you don't know for sure how any of those guys necessarily are going to perform, but it's certainly the potential for your lineup to be better without having to go outside the organization and add a, a big name free agent, right? So I've basically come down to that. Spend it all on pitching, run with the position players that you've got, and kind of reassess midway through the season. It's going to be tough for them no matter what they do. Uh, to my friend Matt's question, you know, will the Rockies be a 500 team? I think that might be exactly what they end up as, as a 500 team. Um, obviously, a lot of that depends on what else they do this offseason. If they can manage to get some of these diamond in the rough pitch. What I'll say is I believe they will start the season with a roster that you look at and say, yeah, that's probably about a 500 team. Whether or not they perform better than that will, of course, come down to what it always comes down to, right? Starting pitching. It'll come down to whether or not Marquez, Freeland get their grooves back. If Sensatella can come back healthy and contribute. If Gomber can have a bounce back. And then this other question I've been talking about. What can they do with these other spots? Whether it's four and five or make it, say, maybe hopefully you're two and three, right? And then... Gomber slides down to the fifth spot or something. Then if those guys overperform or or if you did manage to kind of strike a little bit of gold with somebody who is performing better than their career numbers in Colorado, which is unusual but not impossible for a pitcher, then you can be an over 500 team and you can maybe even start sneaking up on that wild card contention area. Because I do think that they're going to have much more ability for firepower in the lineup without even doing anything. Um, so to Ross's question, are the Rockies going to stand pat? Uh, I don't think so. You know, I they, they've made it clear that they've wa- they want to do a couple of things, right? They've been very open about this. Bill Schmidt has come out and said, we do want to get an outfielder and a, a kind of leadoff hitter on base guy. We, we've got to get more power in the lineup. Now, I think you can be very prepared to show up at the next press conference and say, well, we we think we're going to get more power and it's going to come from Tovar, Bryant, Veen, Tolia, and Montero and not from some guy, you know, coming in from the outside. I think you can make that argument, right? You can't do that from a pitching standpoint. And, and they've been very clear about needing to get better there as well. So if he strikes out in both areas, it's a terrible offseason. If he had said at the beginning of the offseason, hey, we we think we've got what it takes internally to get better and do X, Y, and Z, and so we're not going to do any of those things, uh, you could maybe at the very least excuse it. But they've come out and said, we need to get this type of player, <laughs> right? And you can't not do that in both areas. So, I yeah, they've got to go out and make some moves. I do think that they will. And, um, but yeah, remains to be seen. Uh, Trevor says, 
Carlos Estevez is a big loss for the Rockies. They need to go outside the organization for some pitching help. In total agreement, if you've been listening to the show to this point. Um, he says, yeah, Bill Schmidt has talked about needing pitching too many times for the Rockies. Now, wow, this is just the point I was making. I swear I didn't steal it from you on purpose, maybe subconsciously. And and says, yeah, I hope to make some sort of move. And, and I agree there. Estevez is a big loss. I've got an article coming up on him. I think he's one of the more underrated players on the Rockies for the last several years. And uh, on a personal level, I'm just very sad to see him go. Really, truly, one of the one of the good guys, man. Really, a, a just a great human to be around. Uh, and yeah, I'm gonna make sure to uh, catch up with him anytime the Angels come to town. But uh, as a ball player, it does leave a hole in the rock. Now they they arguably have replaced him with Brent Suter, right? But that you need <laughs> you needed more of those guys, so. They've one step forward, one step backwards. You get Suter, that's great. You lose Estevez, now your bullpen's basically right back where they were. And so, yes, more work needs to be done there. In both the rotation and the bullpen, more work needs to be done, whether it's trading, whether it's free agent signing. Uh, Yeah, I guess to put all of what I've been saying here into a simple bow, they can show up next season with the same position players. They cannot show up next season with the same pitchers that are on the roster right now. They just can't. Derek with a really interesting question that I'm not going to be able to answer in its entirety uh, because he asked for a top 10 list of stories for fans to watch either this offseason or going into the season. It sounds like a pretty good article idea, so I may just steal your prompt entirely and write a full article out of it. It would take me a while to go through 10 different storylines here on the show, though maybe I could I could do that as well. <laughs> Being brief has never been one of my strong suits, but let me just off the top of my head give you a few. One is the the rookies, right? You you the rookie of the year stuff is is the big one for me. The Rockies very legitimately could have two baseball players battling each other for rookie of the year, depending on how quickly Veen can get there and, and, and if he can really go off. But the scouts are generally in a consensus that this Tovar thing is real and that he has, like, he's he'll probably be a decent bet in Vegas for rookie of the year because his defense is incredible. And his offense over the last two years has been incredible. That's obviously the toughest thing to know if it's going to translate to the big leagues because that's where the best pitchers are. But all of the tools are there for Ezekiel Tovar to go off. And the same could be said of Veen. So I think that would probably be near the top of the list of things that I I think are going to be interesting to watch once you get to the season, uh, the Rookie of the Year competition. Obviously, for the offseason, the biggest one to watch is just pitching. Any pitching? Can we get some pitching? A little bit of pitching up in here? How about a pitching? We talk about some pitching? I think that's it for the offseason. Um, you know, they've made their coaching moves. So that's sort of an offseason thing that I think will be intriguing to watch going into the year. If the Rockies are suddenly getting much more out of their offense, particularly players who were here before, you know, you're going to be able to look at the new hitting coach and go, hmm, Interesting. Okay. That uh, appears to be a very good move, right? So some of those things I I think will be interesting to watch for. Not as much fun as the rookie of the year race. Certainly not. Um, A big story for me every year 
since he's made his debut, is Armand Marquez. And if you've been listening to me for a while, you've almost certainly heard me say this before. But this guy has a Cy Young arm. He absolutely has the ability to be among the top five to ten pitchers in baseball consistently, but we're several years into his career now. What, six, seven seasons? And he hasn't done it yet. He's flirted with it for moments, for for months, for half seasons even. But last year was a massive disappointment for Marquez. And it's difficult to know why. You know, there there's... We, we talked about it in depth throughout the season. I'm not going to rehash the entire conversation, everything about the change in his approach, the change in the grip of his fastball. There's a lot of things going on with Armand Marquez, but the long and short of it is he has to be better. And for, for the team to go anywhere, he has to be good. He is the most single important player in, in terms of the difference between them being able to hang and not. Right? And it's frustrating because I don't think anybody, including Marquez, knows what what happened with him last year. And I, I, I don't know what to end. I could sit here just as easily and say, he could be in, this could be the year. I've said it every offseason. This will be the year that he's in talks for Cy Young. Colorado Rockies pitcher is never going to win a Cy Young award with the raw statistics that they're going to have. But finish third, fourth, that they can do. And Marquez should have done that by now. And maybe he does it this next season. It wouldn't be the most wild and crazy thing that I've ever seen. But it's just right now at this point, you don't feel like you can confidently say, yeah, he should have like, he's battling back, man. You're hoping to see decent Marquez at this point. You'd settle for a 110, 115 ERA+. He's put up a 90, right? Not the 130 that he's done at times in the past, you know, or averaging out to, you know, all-star 125 type of stuff. I just don't know. So for me, Marquez is is one of the biggest, most important things because, and somebody else here, I've got to cut off the questions at this point. I'll get to some of these other ones in the future. Um, but somebody else was asking about Oh, it was basically the the conversation we were just having, right? About relying on internal improvement. And I am with the general consensus here that on the whole, again, especially when it comes to the pitching, the Colorado Rockies cannot rely on internal improvement. But they do still need internal improvement. That has to be talked about. That has to be a part of the equation. And it legitimately has to happen. The Rockies could sign two starting pitchers. My ideal scenario, right? Two guys come in, give me Joe Ross and Michael Lorenzen or, you know, whoever. Just, again, that level of dude, right? Two of them. They come in, they pitch to just above league average. Or let's say they're actually better than that. Let's say they pan out and they do sort of feel diamond in the roughy. They're putting up career numbers. They're at a 115 ERA plus, both of those guys. Very solid seasons, the new pitchers you've got. Okay, that's two 
of the three guys in your starting rotation. Or, of the, sorry, of the five. I'm leaving three others, right? Marquez, Freeland, presumably Gomber until Sensatella gets back. So no matter what, you're not going to get four or five starting pitchers. You can't. That's just not how that works, right? Especially if you need some relievers as well. They don't have an endless well of resources. So you need those two guys. But what they need to do is come in and be really solid pitchers in the event that Marquez gets his groove back. Now you're a wild card contender. But if Marquez remains a 90 ERA plus guy, you're a middling team. Even if you get two really good pitchers in here, two pretty good pitchers in here, and and the bullpen levels out a bit and isn't a total dumpster fire. And even if the offense does all the stuff I just laid out in the most positive scenario with Veen and Bryant and Tovar and Tolia hitting home runs all over the place that they didn't have last season, right? Montero, all of that, if Marquez and, and Freeland as well, I should, it really is, it's the two of them. It's the, the two-headed monster that determines the fate of the Colorado Rockies for the next season. They just are. There's no way out of it. You're not going to sign a, a number one to come in and move those guys back in the rotation. So they have to get it together. And then those other guys will matter that much more. So if it's me, that's how I would be running the offseason. As we all know, it is not me. It is Bill Schmidt and Clint Hurdle and Dick Montfort and those guys doing their thing. Uh, and then Buddy Black in on those meetings, absolutely. And so, you know, we'll see. I, I do think, I, I like what I've been hearing so far, but ultimately the pen has to meet the paper. They got to bring in some dudes. They got to bring in some arms. And they need to find the arm whisperer to talk to our man Marquez and get him back. Because if they can do all that, we're going to have a fun baseball season next year. But if not, we're going to have some fun position players to watch next year on what will be another middling to bad baseball team. A lot of offseason to go. Let me know what you think, uh, whether or not you're, you're not buying it with me and you'd go out and get some position players that you're not ready to just trust the young guys, uh, who you'd trade if it's got to be young prospects, uh, MLB prospects, MLB prospects would be Tolia Montero, uh, MLB younger players. So that would be Rogers McMahon or veterans. You can't trade Charlie Blackman. Sorry, you can't, but Crone is basically your veteran there, right? If you, if you had to trade from one of those categories to get more pitching, who would it be? And then how would you rearrange it? I gave you mine. I'm, I don't want to mess with the MLB roster as it is right this moment from a position player standpoint. Um, if you're that high on Veen, then be high on Veen. Roll, run with it. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You can reassess next season when some of these other big contracts have come off the books and you can really just kind of do a full turnaround after that. But if you want to try to preserve this thing as it is, and they do, just run with Zach Veen. Forget about signing a big position player. Get your pitching as best in order as you can and let the kids play. That's what I got for you. So let me know what you think. I appreciate you all for listening into this episode and for submitting your questions. And I only got to like half of them. So maybe I'll do another uh, mailbag here in a couple of days as well with more 
off-season hot stove stuff going on. Thank you all so much for listening in. Make sure that you're checking out all of the written content at milehighsports.com, all of the other podcasts on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and all the good stuff, you know, with the radio station, all that stuff. Just, just hanging out with us at Mile High Sports. Really appreciate you for being absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.